0: Hello, friends. If you listen to my podcast or read my blog, you know that I'm a big advocate for short-term planning. I even developed a Scrum-based personal productivity method called the monthly method that allows you to set and achieve your goals three weeks at a time. The question I often get from my readers and from my clients is whether I ever use long-term planning and how to go about setting long-term goals. Today, I want to answer this question. So is long-term planning always a bad idea or is it useful in some cases? Welcome to the monthly method podcast. This is a show for solopreneurs, creators, and artists who have a burning desire to launch a project. This is for a project that is not urgent, but truly important. The one your best life depends on. Your host, Paulina B. is a certified Scrum Master. She brings a proven record of launching successful projects, both professional and personal. You will hear about tested techniques that lead to calm, consistency, and results. Stay tuned to turn your idea into reality one month at a time. First of all, let me share the story behind embracing short-term planning in my own life. I was introduced to the concept of agile product development about five years ago when I was working for a fast-growing tech startup. The product development team was using Scrum to run their team. IT. it was the first time I heard about agile and scrum. You know, I studied economics during my undergrad and it's not a surprise that I was never introduced to such concepts before. And I was amazed at how efficient and productive those guys were at shipping new products and new features. It was mesmerizing and it was something very different from the traditional approach of managing team and managing projects and all of that very counterintuitive at first, but I saw the results firsthand. And I was inspired to try this method in my own life and in my personal productivity. I studied the scrum principles, I studied agile principles, and I applied those principles to finish my master's a semester earlier. So I went to grad school and instead of studying two years, it took me a year and a half to finish the entire program. I look at this amazing result and I was like, okay, let me try it somewhere else. I then implemented these principles in the new job that I had. The scrum method worked really well there as well, despite the fact that I was using it in operations and supply chain, not product development. After a few years of using this productivity method in my professional and personal life, I narrowed it down to the core principles of the monthly method. I have taught it to my clients, and they have experienced incredible results from using it. Even from the first three weeks of working with me, they see the results. And, of course, you can learn more about these principles on this podcast or on my blog, so definitely check it out if you're interested. So, why doesn't long-term planning work? In my experience and in the experience of thousands of companies who embrace agile product development, I can say that long-term plans rarely work. I would go as far as to say that they never work. You spend months developing this perfect plan that goes sideways the first month you start implementing it. Sounds familiar? And I'm sure a lot of you have seen it happen in your own professional life, where you have like hundreds of revisions on the spreadsheet and on the plan, and then it ends up not working. All the time that you spend creating the perfect plan is wasted. So why do it? Why have these meetings about the meetings, meetings about the plan, and all of that? if it goes sideways the first month you implement it. So, why do it? I don't believe in long-term plans because these plans rarely work. But does it mean that we should never look further than three weeks at a time? No. Let me explain my viewpoint on when long-term planning is helpful and useful. I think having long-term goals is best when you have a lifestyle image, a lifestyle you want to have five or 10 years from now. You have a picture of how your ideal day looks like. What do you see outside your window when you wake up? What time do you wake up? How many hours do you work? Who lives with you in the house or is it an apartment? Do you have kids? How much time do you spend with them? What kind of things do you do on weekends? What do you do after work? What kind of hobbies you have? Do you even have time for hobbies? Having a lifestyle image doesn't require you to have everything figured out. You don't need to know what job you'll have. You don't need to have the exact income you need to earn. As long as you can afford the lifestyle you dream about is all that matters. And you might be wondering, do I have long-term plans? Yes, I have a picture of the lifestyle I want to have 5 to 10 years from now. I don't know what I'll be doing for work or what my business might look like. However, I know how many hours I want to work and how many hours I want to spend with my family. I don't know which country it is going to be as long as it matches the lifestyle that I want to have. And there are numerous countries that can provide me with this lifestyle at different price points. And this gives me an incredible level of flexibility, so I don't have to be fixated on the income level. I can just adjust some of the things, such as the country I live in, to meet my budget. So it makes it a much more flexible approach to goal setting. I don't need to know all the details right now. And that's the beauty of it. The traditional goal setting approach will tell me to be specific about the job I need to have the income I need to be generating, the country I'll need to be living in, I would have to have all these details figured out on day one. And then I would have to create a five-year plan, one-year plan, one-quarter plan, one-month plan. But the problem is that right now, today, in 2021, I don't have enough knowledge to come up with all these details. Imagine yourself 10 years ago being forced to come up with all these intricate details of your lifestyle right now. Would you know what career moves you would have to make? Would you know where you would have to travel? Would you know where you would have to move? Would you know which books you would need to read? No, most likely you discovered all these nuggets of wisdom as you moved along. Answers revealed themselves during the journey. So, what is long-term planning good for? Long-term planning is ideal for the what and the why. That's when you can start journaling, reflecting on your life, unleashing your core values, and getting to know the true you. What do you really want? What do you really value? What are your core values? Where are you the happiest? When are you the happiest? What brings you calm? What brings you the most negativity at the moment? And what would your life look like without it? Why do you want to show up for work every day? What contribution do you want to make in this world? What makes time fly? What tasks in all your jobs did you enjoy the most and why? What do you want to do on the weekends? What do you want to do in the evenings 5-10 years from now? You need to know what lifestyle you want and why you want to have it. There is nothing worse than running enthusiastically in the wrong direction. If you already have a long-term plan in place, ask yourself, why do I want this job title? What kind of lifestyle do I think I will get once I get this position? Why do I want to make this much money? How would my life change once I get to this income? Try to get to the lifestyle image you think this role or this income will give you and why do you want to have this lifestyle? The long-term plan answers the questions of why and what. Short-term planning answers the question of how. How do I get there? What do I need to do in order to achieve this lifestyle? That's where the traditional long-term planning fails. If we start to think about the how and create a detailed five-year plan with all the milestones and deadlines, it quickly becomes overwhelming. We need to know all the answers of how to get there right now when we are creating this perfect plan. But guess what if you are at point b in your life and you want to go to point c you only know how to get to point b because you've already done it you can only create the perfect plan with deadlines and milestones for how to get from point a to point b because you've already done it you have the knowledge but you are not interested in repeating the same result. You want something you've never had before. And how on earth are you supposed to know the how if you've never done it before? We are taught to set a five-year goal, sit down and create a perfect plan. Put it on our wall and execute on it religiously every single day for the next five years. And it's overwhelming. We don't know where to start. What milestones should we put on our plan how long will it take? What would be the next step, etc.? So, we are staring at this blank piece of paper being extremely overwhelmed. So, what happens as a result? People either procrastinate on creating a plan or they simply give up because they realize that there is no way they can know all the answers and they can create this perfect plan. And the fear of failing on the perfect plan stops them from even trying. And that's actually the beauty of agile approach to goal setting. You don't need to know all the answers right now. You can run experiments to figure out what works and what doesn't. You can test hypotheses. The truth reveals itself along the journey, and you only need to have enough information to run the next sprint, so you don't need to know everything on day one. So, let's look at sprint planning in action. First, you set a long-term goal that looks like a lifestyle image. And you ask yourself, what can I do with the information and resources I have right now to get closer to that goal. Yes, I don't know all the answers right now, but let me test some hypothesis and see what works and what doesn't. Let me engage with the real world, produce something, ship it, and see how the world reacts to it. And then I'll learn from this experience and I'll adapt. That's what agile teams do in product development. They would create a feature or a product that is far, far, far from being perfect in a very short span of time called a sprint. And they would ship it. And the goal is to ship it as fast and as often as possible to see how the world reacts to it. Based on the real feedback from real customers, they adjust the product and ship it again. Now, let me introduce the most valuable thought, I think, in today's episode, is that clarity comes from action. How often we don't start something because we are confused, we are overwhelmed because we don't know all the steps we need to take in order to get to our goal, we don't have enough information, all of that. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know if this approach will work. There is no guarantee. No one has done it before. I have no one to ask. There is no book on this topic. How do I know what the first step is if no one has done it before? All of that thinking is happening when you look at your large goal. There is a major lack of clarity when you set a goal, and the bigger the goal is, the less clarity you have on how to achieve it. That's the law of goal setting. I just invented it, but I think it's true. The bigger the goal is, the less clarity you have on how to achieve it. And it's one of the major reasons why people don't start pursuing their goals. Here's the thing, clarity comes from action. And the sooner you start pursuing your goal, the more clarity you'll get. You never get clarity from just sitting there and thinking about it. Yes, you can read an article or a book, but once you have the basic information, you need to start acting on your goal. More research will not give you clarity. More likely, it will result in even more confusion. The deeper you go into any topic, the more controversy you discover. The deeper you study any question, any topic, the quicker you realize that the answer is It depends. Seriously. No matter what topic you study, eventually, in your research, you'll hit the point where the answer is, it depends. It depends on your situation, your environment, your country, and it's up to you to go there and try things and discover what works for your particular case. No book, no article, no video can answer this question for you. The next point, You're never stuck under short-term planning, and in comparison, you're often stuck under long-term planning. This is another beauty of short-term planning is that you can never be stuck. If you're only planning your actions for three weeks at a time, there are no huge decisions to make. You're testing small hypotheses. You're uncovering the truth one sprint at a time. When you are in an experimental state of mind, you are not stuck because there is no pressure to know everything. You are just experimenting. Some experiments succeed, some fail, but you succeed no matter what because you acquire valuable knowledge. The pressure of needing to know all the answers for the next five years is counterproductive because it paralyzes you you're so afraid to take the next step because it might be the wrong step and all your plans will fall down like a house of cards. If you're using Excel spreadsheet for your five-year plan, then you need to revamp the whole Excel file. If you're using a huge poster in your room, then you need to write down the new plan. You don't need to know all the answers when you start. Embrace an experimental mindset and wear an imaginary scientist hat. Have fun and the most important part, take actions towards your goals and the clarity will come. Another thing that I think long-term planning fails at is the reflection part. You don't get to reflect as often as you would under the short-term planning. You get to reflect on your life and your actions and your results much more frequently under short-term planning. Under the monthly method, we do sprint retrospectives every month. So after your sprint is over, after three weeks of hard, intensive, focus work, we do the retrospective, and I ask my clients questions which make them reflect on the previous three weeks. These questions make them learn so much about themselves, their productivity style, which actions have the highest return on investment, and which tasks can be ignored or delegated in the future. You'll be surprised how much you can learn about yourself by just reflecting over the past three weeks of your life. Regular reflections on your life are what brings Continuous improvement. It is incomparable to any other activity. Yes, you can read books and watch inspirational videos, etc., but reflecting on your own life and your own actions and results will be much more impactful and much more practical and applicable in your own life. This is when you analyze your hypothesis and experiments. Did they work? What did I learn? What can I do better in the next sprint? How do I get closer to my lifestyle image with the new knowledge I had gained over the past three weeks? You get to learn a lot more about yourself, your preferences, what you like and what you don't like, what works and what doesn't in your particular case, in your life, for your job or your business or your health. So it's very customized to you. Once you consciously realize these things, you become a much more productive, happy, and balanced individual. I personally think that regular reflections on your life prevent you from having middle life or quarter life crisis. Think about it. Why do these crises happen? Is crises even a word? You get what I mean. Because you run enthusiastically in the wrong direction society tells you that you need to have A, B, and C by a certain age. You don't question these beliefs. You don't reflect on whether it makes you happy along the process. You just run as fast as you can towards the wrong goal. And once you get there, you finally, finally do your first reflection and you realize, oh crap, It's not something I actually enjoy. Why did I spend the last 10, 20, 30 years pursuing it? That's when the crisis happens. Monthly reflections allow you to catch yourself when you go off track, when you're off balance. You see any signs of the wrong things in your life much earlier. You don't get to wait till the crisis happens. You can catch it earlier and you can pivot You can adjust, you can talk with the right people, you can set better boundaries, whatever you need to do that will make you happier in the long-term. Let's look at another aspect of long-term versus short-term planning. I think short-term planning is better at building good habits, and long-term planning is not so good at building new habits. I talked more about it in the sprint planning episode, so check it out. It would be two or three episodes ago. It's much easier to convince your brain to do something difficult when you have a time limit. Let's look at the example. Under the monthly method, you tell yourself, I need to wake up at 6 a.m. for the next three weeks. Only, only for the next three weeks. And I can stop doing this after the three weeks are up. In comparison, if you decide to build a new habit under the long-term traditional approach, you would say, I need to wake up at 6 a.m. for the rest of my life. Your brain has so many excuses to rebel against it. Under the monthly method, after three weeks, the thought of waking up at 6 a.m. is not that scary anymore. and You can do it for another three weeks, and then for another, and then it's a solid habit that you've built in just three to 12 weeks that will serve you for the rest of your life. And it was easy to start building this habit because initially it was supposed to be only for three weeks in comparison to doing it for the rest of your life. This approach also serves as a filter. Nowadays, we are told there are so many habits we can adopt that will change our life. Like seriously, hundreds of habits we can do. And a good example of such a myth is that reading 50, 100, 200 books a year will somehow make you successful. I've already debunked this myth in one of my first podcast episodes. It's called Why Reading More Books Will Not Make You Successful. Check it out if you're interested. But this is basically some of the myth that the productivity or self-help industry is trying to feed you to kind of do more of the things that don't actually have that high return on investment while ignoring the things that actually do. In reality, most of these habits will not change your life. And if you do them for three weeks and see zero impact on your life, you just ditch them. You just stop doing them because you see zero results and you kind of like, well, I thought it's going to be helpful, but I don't see any difference. Why invest my time and energy into this habit? You just stop doing it. No hard feelings. And the most important part is that you don't get to feel like a failure for not doing them for the rest of your life. Because you've done it for three weeks. You saw the impact it has on your life. You're like, okay, not so impactful. And then you stop and you invest this valuable time into building a habit that actually serves you. And speaking of failure, you feel like a failure most of the time under long-term planning. You feel like a failure every single second until you hit your 10-year goal, seriously. And since it requires you to create a perfect plan on day one, you quickly run into an issue of failing to execute on that perfect plan. You might meet your first deadline, but then things go south. Actually, they don't go south. It's just the world shows you a new set of knowledge and you need to process it, but that's not how we are taught to look at it. We are taught to look at this as a failure because we haven't reached the next milestone on time. Even though the milestone is no longer relevant based on the new information, but we still kind of feel like a failure because, you know, it's on that Excel file that we created, it's color-coded, it's so perfect, and this perfect plan just didn't happen. And that makes us feel like a failure. Think about it. Have you ever met a person who created a five-year plan and met all the milestones and deadlines. I think if he exists, he lives in the unicorn land, honestly. Long-term planning doesn't teach you to celebrate progress and the new knowledge you acquire along the way. It doesn't encourage you to be curious and open-minded. Because God forbid, you learn something that will totally revamp the perfect Excel spreadsheet you created for the next five years. It's the scariest thing that can happen is that you learn something that would make your perfect plan no longer relevant. If you go through this process, being afraid of new information and being close-minded, and it's not the way to live, it's not the way to function, you know? Short-term planning makes you better at handling failure. Okay, we're still on the topic of failure, and I think short-term planning actually teaches a lot of us how to handle failure because we haven't been taught that. And this is a huge one. Many of us, the perfectionists, the type A people, the A-plus students, have a very broken relationship with failure. We think it's the end of the world. We think Failure means there is something wrong with us as individuals, as human beings. We don't deserve to be on this planet if we fail. This is not a healthy relationship with failure. When you embrace short-term planning and an experimental mindset, you take failure as a data point. Again, think about the scientists. They don't cry over data. They don't look at the results of their experiments as a personal failure. They collect data. They look at it as a data point, no matter what result they got. You can do the same in your life and in your business. Not seeing results from an activity says nothing about you, your worthiness as an individual. It is a data point that you need to collect and analyze and act upon. This data point will better inform your future actions. So, short-term planning teaches us to look at failure as a data point that we need to look at, analyze, and use this data to influence our future decisions. See, no drama, no package, no story of how I'm not good enough very calm, drama-free way of looking at the results. And this is the common feedback I hear from my students. They say this approach feels very liberating and easy, yet they're the most productive they've been in a very long time. It seems almost counterintuitive. No drama End result, not a combination that you often experience in life, right? So, how do you combine ease with a high level of productivity? You do it by embracing an experimental mindset, short term planning, and a better relationship with failure. And this is what we do at the monthly method. The feeling of ease allows you to take actions towards your goals daily. The ease and calm allow you to show up for your goal. I truly believe that the superpower of the 21st century is calm. I think every news channel, every social media page, their main goal is to get us away from the calm state of mind. But if you have it in your daily life, showing up for what actually matters in your life is so much easier. So this is my opinion, I think. Calm and being calm is the superpower of the 21st century, and also controlling your attention, but that's a topic for another day. There's less drama in short-term planning because it gets rid of all the BS excuses, resistance, fears that your brain has when pursuing a big goal. It's a long episode, and I better wrap it up. I have a lot more points to make on this topic, but I think I covered the most important ones. And let me answer the question. Is long-term planning always bad? No, it's not. It's great to think five to ten years ahead and imagine the lifestyle you want to have. However, embracing sprint-based short-term planning is what allows you to get there in a much weaker, and drama-free way. Long-term planning is great for the what and the why. Short-term planning is great for the how. That's it for today. If you want to apply the agile-based productivity method to your life, let's do this. I guarantee you'll be amazed by the results you get in just 3 weeks. Head out to the link provided in the show notes and check out monthlymethod.com. You'll find a lot more articles on the topic, and you can also check out how we can work together. Have a great week, everyone! Please subscribe if you want to get a freshly baked episode delivered to you next Monday. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to ask a question, leave a comment, or share something interesting, please use the link provided in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you and answering your questions in the upcoming episodes.